Hey, what is up, Grace Point Church? Wherever you find yourself watching from, whenever you find yourself watching, my name is Devin Arredondo, and I'm one of the student pastors at Grace Point. It is weird to talk to you in this way, to have this digital wall between us, but we're gathering together in this digital format in the week after Easter, and I know that if God's Spirit can conquer a grave, He can move in our hearts today. So, Right now, put it in the comments, if he can move the tomb, he can move my room. If he can move the tomb, he can move my room. And if you want, maybe throw some praise hands in there, because that's one of the fun parts of this digital format, right? But I believe that today, and I've been praying that over us, I've been praying that over our church, because I don't know about you, but I need a move of God in my ordinary rooms of living, We're in a series called Disruption, and today we're going to talk about how we can still find God's love in loneliness. We can still find community even in the midst of this mandated social distancing. It's what we do with our loneliness that will determine how we find love in it. So I'm going to pray for us, and as I do, would you say a simple prayer with me wherever you are today? Simply, Jesus, meet me here. Let's pray. Jesus, would you meet us here today, wherever we find ourselves, whatever time we find ourselves in, whatever storms we find ourselves surrounded by right now. Jesus, meet us here in the midst of our ordinary life. God, we come to you today knowing that you can do all things. God, give us your ears as we open up your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. So do you prefer time alone, or would you rather be around people all of the time? Or maybe let's use the labels that we so often use. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Or maybe the one that we don't really talk about as much that is just as important, maybe an ambivert, meaning you need both, which I think is all of us. But I'm an extrovert, and I love being around people. So as you can imagine, social distancing for me, it's going really, really well. Not. Now, I I am social distancing, but it has been a struggle. I'm sorry if you're a grandparent out there, but for me, social distancing has kind of reminded me of my younger years, where I'm on like this weird holiday break, and I've gone to see my grandparents who live really far away from everybody else, and I'm just kind of trapped inside with them and my family forever, right? So Mike kicked off a series last week called Disruption, and man, you want to talk about disruption? Whew, I feel it. Most of my normal rhythms have been turned on their heads, and it's almost like I've been forced into this unplanned wilderness, these lonely places. And there have been times when it has been so challenging for me, where I wish I could just go to dinner with a group of people again, or to greet someone with a hug again. How many of you, like me, have experienced some version of loneliness in the middle of this season? If you want, I encourage you to throw a hand in the comment, maybe a wave or an all caps, yes, if that's you, because I think it will be helpful for us all to see that we're not alone in this feeling of loneliness. I've wrestled with it a ton, but I know there is good news. I know that just like Jesus disrupted the grave and rose again, Jesus can disrupt and interrupt our feelings of isolation 
and bring beauty and connectivity to each and every one of us. And so this season is fascinating to me as an extrovert. Because most of my adult life, I've actually been surrounded by introverts as my close friends. People who it's difficult to get out to do anything. They're always tired from being around too many people. They would rather sit at home and have a night at home than go out and do anything else. And I've never fully understood it. But now the world has shifted from an extrovert ideal to this introvert ideal. And it is exhausting for me. Introverts. I am so sorry you are always having to put up with us extroverts in our extroverted world. But it's also really cool to me because I've noticed something. Now we're learning to empathize with each other in ways that we maybe have never been able to before. Extroverts like me, we're learning how exhausting it is to live in an introverted world. And introverts are now, they're all craving human interaction like never before. It's this balance. And I think we can learn so much from this time and from who Jesus was and is. Cigna did a recent survey where they surveyed more than 20,000 U.S. adults ages 18 or older. And the findings to me are so alarming. Nearly half of Americans reported sometimes or always feeling alone. 47% felt left out. One in four Americans rarely or never feel as though there are people in their life who really understand them. Two in five Americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful, that they are isolated from others. One in five people report that they rarely or never feel close to anyone. Man, so we have all experienced loneliness. And I think we're especially sensitive to it right now in this season. There's a ton of research out there that shows us that the more digitally connected or digitally driven we are, the less actual connection we truly feel. And life is so full of noise. And sometimes we just want to escape it, right? So what do we do? Introverts and extroverts, we may have different ways of doing so, but the solution is the same. We want to drown out the noise. We just want to mask it by drowning it out with any distraction that we can. And I don't know about you, but in this season, I am discovering that even when all of my unhealthy escapes have been stripped away, there's no entertainment, there's no groups of people to interact with, there's no concerts to go to, there's no sporting events on, right? There's no in-person game nights, nothing. And yet, there is a noise that is left in my heart. A noise that I'm forced to deal with head-on, that I can't escape, that I can't shut it out. This noise of loneliness. So how can we overcome our fear and feeling of isolation, our fear of loneliness, even in this mandated distancing? Well, as I said earlier, it's all about what we do with our loneliness that will determine how we find love in it. And first, we have to look for truth in loneliness. We have to look for truth in loneliness. You see, so often my assumption is that loneliness is bad and no one should have to experience it. But the disruption is that God can and will use loneliness to redirect us to a greater good. Anyone and everyone at some point have felt alone. 
You can feel alone in singleness. You can feel alone in marriage. You can feel alone when you've got kids. You can feel alone when your kids have grown. Loneliness is that warning signal for something that's deep within us, for something that's gone wrong deep within us. See, aloneness isn't just important to our God. It's actually central to his design for our relationships with each other and with him. We are created for connection. We're wired for it. Loneliness isn't simply a result of personal choices or the world's groaning under sin. It's a reality. And when we look at the life of Jesus, loneliness was an ever-present reality. In Isaiah 53, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, He was without sin in a sinful world. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, yet is without sin. And that sounds great for us, which it is, but think of it from Jesus' perspective. He was a sinless person living with sinful parents, sinful siblings, sinful extended relatives, sinful neighbors. No one on earth could have actually identified with Jesus. I think it's safe to say that Jesus experienced feelings of loneliness. But what I found interesting as I studied this is that Jesus didn't run from the feeling of loneliness. He actually leaned into it. In Luke's account of the gospel, Jesus is in the middle of ministry, and we get what seems like a strange statement from Luke. In chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, Luke writes this, Yet as the news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness, and this is the verse I want to focus on, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The word here for lonely places in the Greek is eremos. It can be translated in multiple ways, but all with a common theme. Wilderness, desert, deserted places, quiet places, lonely place. And if that doesn't sound like COVID-19, I don't know what does. But these lonely places, wilderness, they're woven all throughout the story of the Bible. But for Jesus, lonely places, wilderness times, they were actually needed opportunities to look for the truth in the midst of loneliness. Because again, loneliness is a cry from deep within that something isn't right, that something is out of line. Loneliness is an indicator that something is missing and that thing that missing is only found in a relationship with the Father. You see, Jesus knew that loneliness is real, but Jesus also knew the truth. That loneliness isn't an indication that you're inadequate, it's an invitation from your Heavenly Father to connect with Him deeper. And as we do that, we get to experience a different kind of living. This is why Jesus was constantly retreating to lonely places. Because he was always about being with His Father, He was always about His Father's business. And so we look for truth in loneliness. And then we look for misplaced priorities in loneliness. We look for misplaced priorities. I've discovered personally in this season that sometimes loneliness is a head-on encounter with my misplaced priorities. I think too often we attribute loneliness to weather or stress and we try to shake it off, right? Like, I just need a good dinner or a night out with my friends or turn on some sports, scroll through my Instagram, whatever it might be. But now that so many other things have been stripped away from us, I have a feeling 
that many of us are becoming more acutely aware of our need for something more. You see, Jesus was able to embrace loneliness and lonely places so well because he never had misplaced priorities. We see this even when Jesus was young. Like I said, he's all about his father's business. His parents were worried about where he was, and there was Jesus spending time in the presence of his true father. We see this take place in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Jesus asks his parents, why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Blaise Pascal, a French theologian and mathematician, writes this. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And now Blaise Pascal, he thought that we fear alone time because we fear the silence of existence. And I know I can relate to this. We dread boredom and so we avoid it with aimless distraction, right? We wind up running from the problems of our emotions into the many misplaced priorities of our minds. You see, for some of us, it's relationships, right? Single people, we want to be married. Married people, we want to be, have better marriages. Childless marriages want children. Parents want happier, more successful children. Empty nesters want grandchildren. And the list goes on and on and on. For others, maybe it's about accomplishment. We want more work, or maybe we want to be more important at work, or maybe we want to do more important work. And these are just a few basic examples of our misplaced priorities. And you see, there's nothing wrong with these things. We're actually hardwired for them. They're good things. But when we live for them alone, we are sure to end up feeling alone. When we live for them alone, we're sure to end up feeling alone, desperate for something more. But desperation leads to attention. You see, God speaks to us in whispers. So to hear him, we have to rid ourselves of the other noises. And in his infinite grace and mercy for us, Jesus calls us into the lonely places to realign our priorities in love. Loneliness isn't a derailing, but rather a gentle redirecting, a pointing out of the idols that we may have created without even realizing it. Our jobs, our families, our entertainment, our food, whatever it might be for you. David in Psalms writes this, Psalm 34, verses 5 through 6, he says this, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all of my troubles. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord saved me from all of my troubles. David continues in Psalm 16, verse 5, to say, Lord, you alone are my portion in my cup. You make my lot secure. See, it's in these moments, these feelings of loneliness, isolation, that we have the opportunity to cling to God. Because we have the opportunity to cling to God most tightly and to get to know him most deeply when our earthly foundations are stripped away. Often for me, loss is my best teacher. 
Because only then do we realize that our foundation is ultimately in Jesus alone. The loneliness has been weighing us down and we find ourselves doubting that God alone is our greatest treasure. We can be honest with him. He's a kind and loving father and a good friend. We can ask him to show us again who he truly is and to help us realign our hearts with his yet again. See, we look for truth in loneliness. We look for misplaced priorities in our loneliness, and we look for connection in loneliness. We look for connection in loneliness. So often, when I feel most trapped in loneliness, it's because I begin looking at all the ways that I'm not loved, all the ways that I feel disconnected and forgetting about all the ways that I'm truly connected. You see, my assumption can turn into self-pity that I don't have any meaningful connections. But Jesus disrupts this and reminds me that I have meaningful connections with God and with others. While all of us have important people in our lives that know us deeply, there is someone who knows us and loves us infinitely more than even our closest friend ever could, and it's Jesus. It's the Heavenly Father. Look at Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4 with me. Again, David, just pouring out his heart to the Lord, says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You see, God knows us completely and loves us infinitely. If we have a relationship with him, then we are never truly alone. In a world where so often we believe that people don't understand us, we need to be reminded that God always understands us. God always loves us. God is always there for us. Look at the rest of that Psalm 139 with me, starting in verse 7. David, again, crying out to the Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed down in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even there, your hand will guide me. You see, sometimes it's so easy to feel like we've been forgotten by God. But David reminds us there is no place we can go to escape God's presence. God's love is always there to hold us. His presence is always with us. And he's covering our every need. Even the needs we don't know about. We are never out of his thoughts. We are never out of his presence. You are never forgotten by God, no matter what it feels like. He will not forget you. He will not forget you. He has not forgotten you. It's easy to think about the lonely places never ending. When will this season end? But I was encouraged because Jesus often retreated to these lonely places to spend time with his father. But 
Jesus also always returned. Jesus returned refueled so that he could minister and be with others. Jesus knew that the lonely places were important, but he also knew that the lonely places would end. Jesus encountered the Father in those lonely places and would return to share with others. You see, Jesus always had a group of people to return to, to whom he had deep relationships with. Jesus models perfect relationship for us. Think about it. Even in his most vulnerable moment, the night before his death, Jesus gathered his friends for a meal. Jesus was all about relationships. See, the beauty of Christ is that Jesus gives us a place and a group to always belong to. If relationships were essential to Jesus, shouldn't they be for us as well? Simply put, we were created for relationships. Sometimes we can confuse loneliness with isolation, but isolation is not God's plan or purpose for your life. You see, loneliness isn't new, but God's disruption comes in the form of redemption, salvation from its deepest form of isolation, isolation from God and isolation from people. Salvation changes that. And we need to model the rhythms of Jesus and be reminded that God's world is really about two things our connection with the Father, and our connection with others. I know that in this season of mandated social distancing, it can be so easy to get trapped in the feelings of loneliness and isolation. But God gives us connections with Him and with others. See, the church exists to combat loneliness. The church is a group of people who model the love of the Father. We need people who we know deeply and who love us fully. And so as we close, I just want to leave you with one question. How are you connecting with the Father in this season of loneliness, and how are you connecting with others? Don't go anywhere, because we want to help equip you to connect with others even in this social distancing. So watch this. So we just heard Devin speak about loneliness in this season that we're living in. And this is our small group. And so there are nine couples represented. And this is how we are interacting. Um, you know, each week it may look slightly different. Um, we meet guys and girls separately, but, um, and we also are trying to incorporate our families. So this is kind of our normal small group. We want to make sure that we are still having that connection with families that we do life with every day. And, um, so you're kind of getting a glimpse uh, to what our small group looks like right now. Um, this week, Devin spoke about loneliness and how that loneliness impacts our daily life. And for some of us, it looks different, right? So for extroverts, Loneliness may look a little bit different. And for introverts, loneliness, they may have a different experience. So I guess for you guys, for the extroverts in the group, what has loneliness looked like or have you, have you experienced that? Well, I have to say, so I'm used to teaching at least three hours a day, you know, 15 hours a week in front of 50 plus students. And now I'm in a house full of boys, a three-year-old a three-month-old, and a husband. And this is all I see all day. I see the same three faces all day. And um, so I'm not going to lie, it's kind of been a struggle to to go from so many people to no people. Yeah. 
Um, so this is why I'm thankful for, for Zoom and for GroupMe and for Marco Polo, um, because it's been a way to kind of keep connected so that I can keep, uh, keep my sanity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whoever would have thought we have, you know, I have a six-year-old. I mean, Jace was having a Zoom meeting with his schoolmates, you know, so it's, it's just odd to see how things are changing. Yeah, my three-year-old. Justin, I got a question. Who who all on our small group is an extrovert versus an introvert? Yeah, raise your hand if you're an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. Raise your hand if you're an introvert. And there's not. Raise your hand if you're an ambivert. I'm not only an extrovert, but I'm also an Enneagram type one. So I'm just here at home making these lists and nobody cares about. (laughs) (laughs) What about like our introvert ambivert? What about those of us that kind of fall in that category? How have you experienced loneliness or have you? How has that looked for you? I don't know. I think for me, it's, I, I kind of fall right in the middle and you know, I think it's, it's a good balance. Zoom keeps me company, but also gets nice time to myself. So, you know, less time crammed on a plane with people, which is really nice. Um, mm-hmm. but, but certainly, you know, times of loneliness, but I think it's been, it's been nice to balance and, and connect with you all at times. I think I can relate to that too. I mean, I've pretty much been put in a home office for the past three weeks and most likely the next three weeks. And I've kind of found that I sort of thrive in that environment, but that, that partial extrovert in me really misses the, you know, connectivity with people. And now I notice whenever I, I do get out and even if it's a small interaction, I mean, I, it, it really makes an impact on my day and, and makes an impact on how I want to, you know, hang out and talk to people as well. So. Yeah. yeah. We went on a walk this evening and we talked to one of our neighbors and we both said, as soon as we left, we're like, we're both really happy right now just from talking to somebody. <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle too. So I see the, like the extroverted side of me misses see my friends and my family so much like in the flesh, but the introverted side of me week one was like, kind of like you, Evan, like, so kind of happy, like plans are canceled. This is awesome. But over time as an introvert, and I don't know if this is as much loneliness as it is like, as the introverted side of me kind of needs quiet to recharge. And so being with the kids, all day feeling like you don't get that um, has been kind of interesting. And it's, I've almost towed up to the line a little bit with maybe even some self pity um, and just like somebody see that I need some time to myself kind of thing. So um, that's kind of been an interesting, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you know, so. Well, I I think the the other thing that Devin spoke about um, is is this whole thing around like priorities and try to understand what our priorities are. And I had a mentor um, that once told me that in life, you're guided by priorities and pressures. You better know what your priorities are. And so for some of us, the priorities in life have somewhat vanished, right? I'm going to get to the office 30 minutes early. I'm going to stay 30 minutes late. I'm going to have my kids involved in every single activity I possibly can because that's what I think a good mom or dad should do. And, and some people's priorities have vastly changed, right? I don't know if I'm going to be able to pick up the extra shift. I don't know where I'm going to pay my mortgage. So with our priorities shifting right now, uh, or our pressure shifting right now, 
have you identified a priority or something that needs to be a priority now? And that also will be a priority as we kind of go into reentry back to normal life once this whole thing is behind us. And I, I know for me, the one thing that is that um, I would say is a priority that I have realized in my life is just being present as a father. Um, you know, we or I need time to decompress when I come home and you're kind of half there, half away with your kids because things are pulling at you. And right now, a lot of things in our life, they, I don't have that. And so how do I, how do I be a hundred percent focused on my kids when I'm around them? And, and that's something that I want to be a priority both now and also as we kind of go back into a normal life. Yeah, I would say for, for me, it's been just um, contentment because we're so used to going and doing and filling in, you know, our board moments with activities and just running and gunning all the time. So you've kind of been forced or I've been forced into finding that contentment just with being home. And that's, um, it's been, it's been good. And I, I want to, you know, carry that through even when we can get back to, you know, running and gunning like we, like we usually do. I think uh, it's kind of been interesting to say like pressures have gone away or priorities have shifted because a lot of things now that like, like with, with my job, like the pressure has changed and almost has intensified because decisions being made for like students or like our after school program or Jen with, you know, with Kendall, like the pressure almost seems higher and it's been a little bit more, I think, difficult to work from home in that environment um, to to just manage that and to figure out what priorities um, need to happen because it's almost almost harder to balance it all I guess Um, but like like what you were saying earlier like the priority of spending time with kids has been um, one that's been awesome but also like really difficult because it's almost like being able to enter into work at any time now that I have to work from home puts a weird strain to where normally like I'm a, I get home from work and I box it off. I'm done. But now like you just have to find like an hour here or an hour there. And since we're both working, I have to figure out like how to even balance that whole day from like sun up to sundown of, are we getting the stuff we need done? So that's been interesting to figure out how to balance. Almost This has been harder to work. Definitely. I think one thing for for me as far as priorities that's changed is I think um, like we all want what's best for our families and I think we all try to, to balance like mom life, work life, husband life, family life and I think even good things keep us busy but one thing I've noticed just personally is like being still in front of patients and still working full time is I've really like taken the view off of what my family needs and the needs of our community because there are so many people that are really struggling. I mean, like with anxiety and seclusion and, and financial stress, um, including people that we work with and come to work every day and are just, you know, making, barely making ends meet. Um, and I think seeing that and just realizing that one, we're very blessed. Um, and two, like, I'm so thankful that we have community and that we have all of you to stay in touch with and pray for. And there's so many people that don't have that. And I think like the urgency of something so severe 
kind of put that in front of my work every day that like, hey, I can reach these people. Like I can talk to them through a phone or through a computer when they're stuck at home talking to nobody else on the verge of depression or whatever the case may be. And, and that, that like priority of the urgency, I guess, of trying to like at least plant a seed of like there's hope um, as just completely like wasn't there and now it's there for me. And so that's something that kind of took off of my family and put more of a community aspect of the whole situation of, what we're going through right now. So. That's good. That's really, That's good. really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you do realize as a believer through this and a believer that is surrounded by believers that are friends we do life with, that you do have hope. And, and not just hope because you're worried about getting sick, but hope that you're worried about financial stresses or things are going on in your office or things with your family, but the hope that we have in Christ, but also the hope that we have that we have relationships that we can shoot each other texts that we're there. And I think that's really important for us. And I know that's why Lindsay and I are really, you know, blessed to have you guys in our group. And because we know that we do have people that we do life with that understand us, that when things get crazy, there is some sense of normalcy with, with you guys and your family. So it's been awesome. Um, so with all this, I, I guess, you know, the, the, as we kind of close this out, how have you been experiencing God in this time of loneliness? So talk about, you know, how have you seen Christ or experienced Christ in your day-to-day life? I think for us, just in our family, right? Like you have that little bit of extra time and, you know, in this, in this kind of area of loneliness, I know we tend to, we tend to turn to God in these negative moments so much more than in the kind of the positive glow of, of life. And so it's just taking that, the kind of environment here and then the extra time that we've had, we tried to focus that on a connectivity together in the word. And then also, you know, dedicating those, you know, those few minutes with the family, you know, even with small kids to making sure that's part of our routine or we're following some of the churches, uh, you know, the stuff that they've sent home with us um, in the packages that we got as well. And just making sure we're incorporating that because once again, we go back to running and gunning, as Matt said, that has to be foundational for the future because that's, that's really what we need to be doing every day. And so you almost see some of these things as the blessings God is giving us to refocus, you know, our timing with him, with our family. And then once again, we, hopefully we learn from that and keep that as part of our normal routine. I think in like a really simple way um, that we've experienced God recently is just, through his creation because I feel like when you're so busy and you're you're going all the time and you're running here and there you don't really stop and think about our world and what God created and how beautiful it is and how he wants us to delight in that and delight in him through that and so you know being able to be locked in your house and then being able to be able to get outside and say like hey we can actually go outside we can go for a walk we can see these things even today, I was just so much more thankful for the fresh air. I was more thankful for the trees. I was noticing the birds, you know, all these things that maybe in our everyday busy lives, when this isn't going on, we kind of take for granted. So yeah. that's a really small way to experience God. And then lastly, I think, you know, how are you guys experiencing community? Both, and I think this is an example of how we as a small group experience community. 
I know the guys have had a Zoom call or two, the girls have met, but how are you in your own personal life, you know, making sure you're staying connected with, with the people that you love? I think, I think a lot of no, Zoom ahead, online, um, and uh, in our case, and probably all of our cases, trying to train a toddler to participate effectively in, in Zoom uh, yes. with grandparents is, is a challenge. <laughs> Thank yes. you for the button to mute him when they stand <laughs> <laughs> you met. I, just, I, I think it's just so fortunate to have, have a communication like that. And I think, you know, Matt, you mentioned seeing your neighbors. It's been really cool for us. I think we've interacted more with the folks like on our couple of blocks than we ever had because we're all home. And um, that's been really nice. I think we've built stronger relationships with our neighbors than we had before this all started. Yeah, I think we also, we have a heightened awareness now. We're, we're, we've become a lot more sensitive to other people's needs. Like I you know, when this kind of all started, my mind kind of went to, you know, people that just had needs around us or people that were alone in their homes where other times they may not have given thought to that kind of to Megan's point. Um, you know, this, this virus has leveled us all, you know? And so, um, it's been, it's, it's kind of guided us to be looking outside of ourselves more, um, checking in with, I've checked in with friends I haven't talked to in a long time, um, more recently than, um, outside of the circumstances. All right, last question. Best quarantine with my kids or my spouse? Best story? Some good ones. Actually, um, I our son during this time, so um, the quarantine to get that done. Um, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. Going, Amanda. We also potty trained our three-year-old. Good time. Oh, yeah. We're still working on potty training. We're not there yet. We got a puppy. Corona dog, as everyone's calling it. But literally, I don't think my kids will ever wear jeans again. I mean, they're just this. Pajama bottoms, or we're going to get them. We're never going to get them in real clothes again. Has Even with running from the neighborhood in our pajamas. Has anybody attempted an at-home haircut yet? Um, you have some good-looking. There's some good-looking guys oh. on here, so I think so. Yeah. What I saw the I've, I've cut everyone's hair on the dog, but my own. Uh, Tyler, Tyler cut my hair. Oh, nice, oh, Tyler. We do have kind of a cool story about Braylee um, that just happened just happened today. Um, We're not really sure like what all went on or how much she understands, but she woke up this morning and was talking to Matt really just asked Jesus into her heart and oh my god um don't cry me I know um all over donuts she she told me after donuts that we we said our prayer then she finished with hey dad I I asked Jesus into my heart last night you know I don't know how much she understands she's a five-year-old but just the fact that she understands that she needs Jesus was a real big thing to us and we're super excited for and she asked me if I could baptize her in the bathtub (laughs) <laughs> yes. did you do it i said no no <laughs> i do it at church 
That's awesome, guys. That's that's really amazing. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, well.